Welcome to From the Stands, the Cool Pick Show. On today's episode, we are going to be talking with Blue Jays alumni Pat Henkin, who won a World Series with the Jays back in 1993. And we're also going to talk about his baseball career with the Jays, the Orioles, and the Cardinals, what it was like to pitch in the 90s compared to what we see in today's baseball world, and so much more. Uh, before we get Pat on the show, though, we would just like to give a quick shout out to our design team, Mad Creative and Matthew DeCastro for their work and logos that you see for the show. So without further ado, let's get Pat on and talk about some baseball. All right, Pat Henkin, how are you, sir? I'm good. How are you? Good. So, yeah, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show today. Um, how are things in your life with uh, baseball and everything right now? Pretty good. I have a small role with the club, as you know, and um, with no minor league baseball, it's been tough. I mean, we've been Zooming like us right now, ironically, and uh, that's about all we can do. You know, the, the backup taxi squad is in Rochester, and I've been following the big league team, so things are good. Good. Um, well, let's hop right into it. So with you, uh, baseball seemed to be a no-brainer, obviously, um, as you were offered a scholarship right off the hop um, out of school, but then you signed with the Toronto Blue Jays instead. What was the starting point for you knowing that you wanted to be a baseball player and that baseball was your passion? Um, you know, actually, I was a young high school kid. I had a November birthday, and I missed the cutoff date by a week or 10 days. I would have had an extra year of high school. I wasn't a great player in high school. I was a shortstop in 10th grade, 11th grade, and 12th grade, and I didn't actually start pitching until my senior year. And um, I actually went in and told the high school coach that – I pitched in summer ball, but you never let me pitch in school ball. Let me give me a chance. And uh, I finally got an opportunity to pitch. He called me back in the office and said, yeah, we're a better team when you pitch on the mound. So you're going to start pitching more. And then things kind of just snowballed from there. Next thing you know, he called three division one schools and uh, the division one schools are the ones that ironically called the blue Jays and the pro teams. So, you know, it was all pre-internet, right? Pre-cell phone. So it was all word of mouth back then and old school landlines. So, uh, you know, I didn't really know at one moment that it was like, all right, I'm going definitely going to play pro ball. I just, uh, next thing you know, in June comes around and I get drafted. I just couldn't believe it, you know, so I was kind of shocked a little bit. That's incredible. And, uh, yeah, it's definitely a surreal moment, uh, when you kind of get that call as well. And that 22 years of old, or sorry, 22 years old, I mean, I can't even remember. I think I was, like, obviously I was going through school and that. But here you are, you're making your debut with the Blue Jays uh, for the remainder of what was the 91 season. How excited were you to start your pro career at that point? Well, you know, after five years in the minor leagues, you know, you start to doubt yourself and you start to wonder. And then they have the 40-man roster, and after you get in the minor leagues for a few years, you're eligible for the 40. And once I got put on 40, it was a big confidence booster because it tells you that the organization likes you. And then, uh, yeah, getting called up, I mean, it's a kid's dream. I mean, you know, I don't even remember feeling the mound, to be honest with you. And I fell coming out of the bullpen in Toronto. Back then, they didn't have this rubber between the mounds and the gate, and I slipped on the thing. And I remember Hanky and Wardo looking down at me and laughing. And that was my major league debut. And then as I ran out on the field in Toronto, uh, it was like the eighth inning against the Orioles, and I remember just not feeling the turf. And when I got to the mound, I remember that – my mind was telling me, just throw strikes, just throw strikes, just throw strikes, you know, just show the manager and the pitching coach that I can throw enough strikes to be at this level. Because that was always a challenge for me when I was in the minor leagues. I get a little wild. Uh, yeah, it's it's definitely like a um, – it's cool to see, like, just running up to the mound. But, again, it's going to be that challenge of you want to make sure that you impress the guys that you need to impress and you don't go up there and walk the first couple of guys, right? 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I just wanted to throw strikes. That was like the only thing I was thinking making that debut. Now, in 1993, you ended up winning the World Series with the Jays at just 24 years old. Um, I know, again, mentioning like myself, I'm going through school at that time. What was it like for you to be a young gun in the game um, and to win a championship uh, and know that you were going to be there for the entire run during the playoffs and be part of that team? Yeah, you know, luckily I got called up in September of 91, so I got to see us lose to the Twins. And then 92, I was there all year. I got sent down, for, I think, for eight or 12 days or something. But I got credited for a full year. Um, and, it, you know, got to see us lose to Oakland. And, uh, you know, and I know the history of the organization with the 85, 84, 87, 89. I mean, 90, I mean, it was just an incredible run for an organization to be that good year after year. And to get over the hump and finally get to the World Series in 92 was incredible. 93, you know, now I'm a starting pitcher. I come into spring training and Al Leiter beats me out out of spring training. I go back to the pen. Um, I don't know if you remember this, but we signed Dave Stewart right before the 93 season. And prior to the 92 season, we signed Jack Morris. So we were really stacking up the frontline starters. And, um, yeah, you know, I just got an opportunity. Dave Stewart got hurt. I mean, I ended up coming in to start for him after, like, one or two starts. And I won, like, five or six or six or seven games in a row, I can't remember. And then next thing you know, uh, I'm in the rotation. I'm there to stay. And, you know, it was a great team to play for. We played great defense, and we scored a lot of runs, and we had a lockdown bullpen. I mean, it was a starting pitcher's dream. It's funny how you say, uh, if you remember, because at that point, I'm three years old. I was born in the 90s, uh, in 1990. So, I mean, yeah. I remember you know, baseball, but I yeah. do not remember players' names. You could not pay me enough to try and figure right. one out. Thank, thank God we have Google. Yeah, that's, that's exactly yeah. it, right? Now, um, looking a little bit further ahead in your career, your best season of your career took place in 1996, where you posted a 20-10 record with a 3.2 ERA with 177 strikeouts that year. Um, that season was classed uh, as deserving enough for the AL Cy Young Award as well. What kind of hard work and determination went behind that season, and what was your mentality like to um, try and want to win that Cy Young that year? So, 93 and 94, I had good years. In 95, I didn't have a pretty good year. And I remember coming into spring training in 96. Uh, we signed a catcher from the Braves who caught Maddox, Charlie O'Brien. And I remember going into spring training thinking, I'm going to get next to this guy all the time and talk to him all the time because I love Maddox. And uh, I, I just wanted to get back to the basics. I remember thinking, you know, coming into spring training in 95, I remember thinking, I got this thing figured out. I'm a two-time all-star. This is, you know, and then I got some humble pie. And some AL East will do that to you. And so 96 was just one of those years, you know, I didn't make the all-star team the first half of the year. And I remember going into the last like four or five starts and I had a chance to win 20. And I knew that if I could get to 20, that would be pretty much a great threshold. It's a starting pitcher's dream. And again, this is a team thing. I mean, I was not lucky enough to play on a great team in 96. We didn't have a great team. We didn't have great defense. We didn't have a great bullpen. We, what we did have is we had some grit. We had some guys that played tough when I was out there. I can tell you that. And uh, they did a great job. And I won 20 games and we won the Cy Young. And, and I couldn't have done it without them. So. But it was just one of those things as a player. You get into that sweet spot. You get into that moment where your just confidence is at an all-time high. Uh, my physical ability was at an all-time high. They kind of met at the same time. So it was just a, it was a good year for me for sure. Yeah, and like you mentioned, you always have to have that team that supports you because, as we all know, there's no I in team. And uh, you want to have that, that constant um, support system with you throughout the year. Now, 
we had a fan question coming in um, comparing Cy Young pitchers from the 90s to Cy Young pitchers now. A lot of it's based around numbers and strikeouts versus winning percentage. What are your thoughts towards, like, the comparison between the two? Yeah, it's funny. As a mindset for a starting pitcher, when I broke in, it was innings and wins. There was only two stats to look at, and innings was number one. And, and the way we looked at it was if you're providing the club innings, you're obviously doing something right. The manager's keeping you in the game because if you're not good, you get knocked out before the fifth. And uh, so those are the one of the, the, the two main things was winnings or it was innings and wins. And now we're looking at um, base runners per nine, which is like whip. I, I, I did my research. Whip and base runners per nine is really only hit batsmen. So, you know, take a guy like me who averaged 200 innings or whatever. I didn't hit very many guys. So base runners per nine is basically whip. But I love base runners per nine. We used to look at that all the time when I played in the 90s. So now we call whip the same thing. But anyway, yeah, I, now they look at whip. Now they look at strikeouts. Guys are striking out more guys now than they ever have. I know that. Um, I didn't strike out, but 177 guys in 265 innings. I mean, shoot, these guys have that at the all-star break now. I don't know if it's they're better or if the hitting that they the hitters it's a different mindset it's a different strategy now they're looking to launch angle they're looking to go deep all the time in the early 90s in the 90s there was more of a small ball I don't want to say small ball because I was in the middle of the steroid era it wasn't small ball there were home runs every night but strikeouts were really frowned upon especially in the 80s I was in the 90s the 80s was like a whole other level those guys never struck out. And now you're looking at guys like the greatest player in the world, Mike Trout. I think he struck out 150 times. So I don't know if the pitchers are better at striking out guys or the hitters are worse at making contact. And I don't think they're worse. I think they choose to be worse. I think it's that it's their approach as opposed to, you know, the hitters back in the eighties. But yeah, it's, um, those are great awards. It's a, it's a hard thing to compare. I think like I look at the kid named DeGrom and, and with the Mets, I watch him pitch on TV. I'm like, Holy shit. I was never like that. I was never that good. That guy could pitch in any era with his fastball command and his stuff, um, his athleticism. Yeah, it's, it's pretty awesome watching these really elite pitchers, Cole, Scherzer, Verlander, DeGrom. Um, <clears throat> I think they'd win Cy Young's in any era. One really cool pitcher that I got to obviously witness as of recently, especially with the Jays, was Ari Dickey. And him throwing his knuckleball, especially at the age of 43, I was like, man, this guy is like a wizard on the mound with, with the knuckleball. And it's really – cool to see guys that can still do that in this era because um, again to your point you see so many guys that throw the fastball the curveball and those are the their primary pitches and um, yeah it's really a, just like kind of a neat component to see where uh, hitters try and hit them now where like again you're we're not going towards small ball but we're also trying not to hit it out of the park the entire time right right now, you played eight seasons with the Jays before going to St. Louis and Baltimore to play one season with the Cardinals and a few with the Orioles before landing back in Toronto in your final year. What was the mentality like for you to go between a few clubs in that short amount of time? So I remember I tried to get a no-trade clause back when I was playing in the 90s. Gordon was GM, Gordon Ash, and uh, he didn't, he didn't, they didn't want to do it. It was against Blue Jay policy at the time. So I got traded, and I didn't want to get traded. It was a bummer. I remember we had, you know, caller ID. It's so funny. I'm dating my age. Here. Caller ID just came out, man. And I remember the winter meetings were like in Arizona, and I didn't have any friends in Arizona. I remember telling my wife, I, I looked around, I go, the gym meetings are in Arizona. I go, I just got traded. She goes, what? I go, watch this. I pick up the phone. It's Gordash. He goes, hey, it's Gordash. You know, blah, blah, blah. I trade you the Cardinals and all that. You know, thank you, blah, blah. And um, 
I went to St. Louis, and I remember just looking down after 14, 15 years of the Blue Jays from 86 through 99, and I looked down, and I see those red cleats, and I remember thinking, whoa, you know, I was so used to seeing the blue. And I played that one year in St. Louis. It was a great experience. I got to meet players like Daryl Kyle and Andy Bennis, and I played for Tony La Russa. I got to meet Dave Duncan. I saw Rick Ankiel when he was a pitcher. I played with him when he was a pitcher. And uh, it was a really cool experience to try to bat at that level. I only had a few in interleague play, and I really couldn't count that. But when you're a starting pitcher in the National League, you get to get two at-bats every night. That was kind of neat. Um, and then off to St. Louis, I went. I became a free agent after St. Louis didn't pick up my option. They had one-year club option. They chose not to get it. And I became a free agent for the first time in my life at 31. Mm -hmm. So I remember calling my agent and just telling him, you know, hey, I'd like to go back to Toronto. I'd like to go to Detroit. I'd like to try to stay close to my home, stay on the East Coast. And uh, Baltimore is where I ended up going. And Baltimore was a beautiful place to play. Unfortunately, I blew my elbow out. And I didn't do much there. But uh, love playing there. Beautiful, great ownership. Great. Uh, the GM was great to me. The manager, everything. So I enjoyed my time in both cities. Now you got to experience a lot of uh, games, obviously yeah, under so many different managers. Um, and there was also those kind of guys that helped you uh, throughout your career as well. Who is this? Gonna, is going to be a two-part question. Uh, the first part is who would be one of your favorite managers to kind of be coached under, and the other one is. Um, who would be like one of your um, kind of co-partners in the league that you were able to kind of just talk baseball talk with and help kind of get guidance from? Gotcha. Um, my, my favorite coach was a guy named Mel Queen. And he was a longtime coach with the Dodgers and, and with the Blue Jays. He played a long time, played for the Reds. He's a very unique guy. He played in the big leagues as a position player and a pitcher back in like, you know, the 70s when nobody did that back then, you know, he was a hell of a player and he was a hell of a coach, really. Best coach I ever had, Mel Queen. Um, kept it simple, honest, cared about you. Um, and, but managers, I mean, I got lucky. I played for some good ones. I played for Cito, really liked Cito. I played for La Russa in St. Louis. That was cool. I played for Hargrove in Baltimore. I really loved playing for all three of those guys. It was, it was a good experience. I think as far as players that I stayed in touch with, or that I talked to kind of a code type of a deal. Dave Steve helped me out probably the most because Dave and I had the same agent. So we stayed connected all these years, even though Dave retired after 93 and then came back in 98 as a guest coach and made a team, which is insane. But uh, he, uh, he, uh, he was, he's been a good sounding board for me for over all these years. We've been good friends since 1992. So that's been pretty cool. That's fantastic. And I have to say, like, it's really the one thing I really like admire about baseball players is how down to earth uh, baseball players are during their career, post career, everything um, like that. I actually got the uh, fortunate pleasure of meeting yourself and Steve and Henkin, uh, or sorry, Steve and Henkin um, during the Jays alumni. They were doing like some sort of uh, alumni weekend where they had all of you guys out to do like fan sessions and things like that. So it was really cool just to be able to like say like, hey, how are you? And things like that as well. Um, and just talking about that connection that you guys have, like I could see definitely how uh, like it's just like another day at the diamond for you guys, really. Yeah, exactly. Now, out of your 13-year career, is there one game that kind of stands out as the hardest game that you've had to, like, play in? And who has been one of your toughest opponents that you've had to go up uh, and face up against? So, tough opponents was, uh, boy, there was many. Tony Phillips, um, Wade Boggs, Cecil Fielder. He, uh, he owned me. 
yeah. Uh, you know, Bernie Williams was tough. The Yankee lineup was tough in the 90s, you know, from 96 when Jeter was a rookie and he came up. 96 all the way through, up until 2004. That was a, those were tough Yankee lineups. Um, Texas was a tough place for me to pitch. I didn't like facing Will Clark. I didn't like facing Palmero. Uh, you know, they would run out Dean Palmer and Juan Gonzalez and Pudge Rodriguez. And, you know, that was a heck of a tough lineup back then. I didn't like facing those guys. And the first part of the question was what? Can you, can you ask it again? Uh, yeah, your uh, toughest um, – or, sorry, what, uh, what was your hardest game that you've had to pitch in? Oh, yeah. So when you say hardest, are you talking about like physical, mental, nerves, or most successful game? Um, I mean, whatever. What, there's so many ways that you could look at it. So whatever you think uh, would like kind of stands out for you. Okay. Um, from an individual selfish standpoint, my 14 punch out complete game shutout where I won one nothing, beat Kevin Apier in Toronto. He threw like a three hit shutout. I think I threw a two hit. We both pitched a one. I won one nothing. Joe Carter hit a home run. I think in the first inning. That was it. And it was like a two-hour game. That was probably the coolest game I was ever part of as far as an individual thing. The coolest team thing, nothing even compares. It comes out right away, and, and it ranks here compared to the individual one. The team one was 1993, game four in Philly, down by three, going into the ninth. And I'm, I'm in the dugout, and I'm thinking, you know, we had split 1-1, one, one, or no, we had just won game three. I pitched game three, so we're up two to one. So we knew if we win this game, man, we're going to be up three to one with Juan Guzman coming back and Stewart. Anyway, long story short, this <laughs> was the, we come back and win 15-14, okay? And it was um, um, unbelievable. We're in the locker room, and uh, 20 guys or 25 guys are in a complete circle clapping at the same time, and it's just getting faster and louder, and it's faster and louder. And just an incredible rush. I get goosebumps thinking about it. Definitely the highlight of my career. Nothing even comes close. Uh, it was game four, 1993, comeback win, 15-14 in Philly. And it was a game I didn't even play in. <laughs> and it's, it's crazy how you, you said 15-14, and you never see those kind of scores in, in modern-day baseball now. Like, I remember going to a game where I think the highest game was like a 13-2 to game or a 13-7 game, but you don't see that tightness anymore. Um, so, yeah, yeah that, that definitely – in the 90s, it was like uh, softball scores, you know. You, you come over to the – I remember when Charlie came over from the National League, the catcher, he said, he goes, man, this is like softball over here. You know, five-run lead in the eighth isn't even safe. I'm like, yeah, you're right. That's not safe. We got small parts of DH. Guys are tonging. Yeah. And, you know, have you seen the movie uh, Wolf on Wall Street? Uh, it's an older one, right, with Michael Douglas? Uh, there is that one, but then there was the remake oh. of it with uh, – I have seen it. There's a, I haven't actually seen it either, but I know there's one part of the movie that when you were talking about the guys clapping in the middle, all I can think of is the scene where they're like, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> like that's probably very similar. And just like having that momentum going. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, after your playing career, uh, you, didn't, you didn't step too far away from the game. As you mentioned, you're still with the Jays, and you have been kind of since 2011. You started as a bullpen coach, and now you work with the team as a special assistant to the organization. Um, how does it feel to be able to share your knowledge with a team that gave you your shot in, your, in the big leagues? Yeah, um, you know, it's really cool. I really love being part of the Jays. I, I couldn't imagine not being part of it. I feel honored. It's uh, – uh, Paul Godfrey is actually the first one that brought me back. That's going back three presidents. Then Beeston came back, who I played for when he was president the first time. And then now Mark Shapiro. So it's really neat to see three different strategies, three different leaders, 
um, three different cultures. Uh, the biggest part that I enjoy is just being able to be around the game, be around the coaches, be around the players. It keeps you young. These players are so big, so strong, and so talented. It's an honor. I love going to like AAA. AAA is one of my favorite levels. I can drive there four hours away from Buffalo where I live in Detroit. And, and uh, I just love seeing guys like Jake Wagas back. And I saw Nate Pearson. And I, all these guys that are pitching in Toronto, I get to see in Buffalo before they're famous. So it's pretty cool. And uh, I really enjoy helping the pitchers with the mental part of it, um, the, uh, the perseverance, the grit, and what it takes, the determination and the work habits. Those are some of the things that I try to pass on as far as messaging. Now, when it comes to the actual pitching part, you'd be surprised. The mechanics is, is really – there's not much to do with mechanics when you're talking about big league guys and AAA guys. They're really good at self-coaching. That's why they're where they're at. You know what I mean? So more, it's more mental, my, my approach with the players today. It's more mental than it is physical. Just making sure that they have that right mindset and that they're in the right kind of mode ahead of games where they kind of tune everything else and focus just what's ahead of them on the field. Exactly. And it was, you know, chance to play with Jack Morris, Dave Stewart, Dave Steve, Jimmy Key, Todd Stoudemire. I mean, I played with some really good starting pitchers, David Cohn and uh, David Wells. And they all had that in common. I mean, they all had that in common. They had fastball command and they could lock things out and block things out and focus on what's in front of them. And yeah, it's very good lessons that I learned as a young pitcher being around those guys. So those are the types of things I try to share with the players today. That's great. And it's great that you actually mentioned uh, one player in particular, Todd Stahlmeyer. And the reason I say that is uh, just like I did with you, I reached out to Todd uh, about being on the show and we're just trying to sort out a date for a few episodes from now. But what was one of your favorite, I'm going to ask him the same question uh, about you, but what was your one favorite aspect uh, about Todd um, that was like, like better than no other? Oh, he's a gamer. He was tough. He was a gamer. He was tough. He had your back. If he was your teammate, he had your back. He was in your foxhole. Um, you know, when I broke in, uh, I didn't right away uh, fit in because I was a rookie, right? But then as years went on and we got to play with each other for a few years, then, you know, but, uh, yeah, no, he was a tough competitor. And, uh, you know, we used to call him Yellow Jacket. I don't know if people don't know that. That was his nickname because he was like a bumblebee buzzing around because I, I guess Rance Mullenix gave him that nickname. He was like Yellow Jacket. They used to call him the Yellow Jacket because he was just so fired up when he pitched. But again, I mean, he was another great guy that I learned from. I mean, it was cool. I may have to mark that down and I'll introduce him by saying that Todd, the, uh, the Yellow Jacket Stottlemyre. There you go. Yeah, do it. He'll love that. <laughs> now, in uh, 2016, you were inducted into the Canada Baseball Hall of Fame. How does it feel to see that your name is uh, now enshrined in a hall after a great career? Yeah, you know what? It was really cool, man. I was really nervous having to go there and do that speech. I did not want to do that. I was extremely nervous. My family was there. Um, it's a great honor. I mean, I, I look at the people that are in that Hall of Fame and you just go, whoa. You know, Fergie's always there. Big Fergie Jenkins, and it's like, man, oh, man, he still looks like he can play. I think he's like 75 years old. I think he still looks like he can go out there and pitch nine innings. Um, it's really neat. I, I, I've gone back a couple times, too, since I got inducted. I was actually planning on going this year, and I didn't go. So my friend Dwayne Ward's going in this year. Yeah. So I, want, I wanted to go there and be part of the ceremony because he was going in, an ex-teammate of mine. And uh, But, yeah, it's a great experience. It's a, have you ever been there? It's really cool. It's, uh, it's really neat how they got the tent. They got the Little League fields. And, have you been there? 
I have not been there. I was actually planning on going this year. Um, yeah. I'm going to be trying to hopefully go next year uh, with fingers yeah. crossed, knock on wood, that the ceremony will be able to run. But that is a uh, one of the goals of, of mine for baseball. Oh, the people couldn't be nicer. Scott Crawford runs that Hall of Fame. It's so nice. They're, they do a nice job. You should go. It's fun. That's great. Hey, well, uh, I have to pass Detroit to go there, so I'll pick you up on the way. We'll we'll shoot <laughs> it. We'll talk. And, Where are you at? Where are you at? I'm in uh, Whitby, so I'm just about 30 minutes east of Toronto. Oh, where Whitby is? I drive through there. I got a place near Bancroft. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. We'll trade off next time you go to Bancroft. In the country, they won't yeah. let me in. <laughs> when the borders open, uh, we'll we'll get something set up, and uh, yeah. No, I I miss it so much. I haven't been able to cross over since December. That's crazy. Up there since December because I closed down my cabin for to winterize it. Yeah. And I usually go back in March, you know, to open it up, and or well, not March because there's still snow, but May. And uh, boy, I am Jones, and I miss it over there. I can't wait to go. That's actually, it's interesting that you say that because my aunt and uncle who live in Toronto have a place uh, like a summer cottage out in New Brunswick and similar idea, they wouldn't let people into New Brunswick unless they had residency in there. So it's interesting that like, I know there's a lot of stipulations. I personally don't know what the stipulations are around the border, um, but hopefully uh, you'll be able to get back up here sooner than later and get that uh, set up. But I hope so. I'm a landowner. I miss Canada. I want to come back. Well, hey, like I said, we'll, we'll do that trade-off and just shoot me a message when you're driving by. And uh, Yeah. <laughs> now, my last question for you is, if you could share some words of wisdom to those that are in university or college and wanting to try and make a name for themselves and grow within the system, what kind of words of wisdom would you want to share with those uh, younger athletes? Uh, work hard because I played for 18 years professionally and I wasn't around anybody that didn't work hard except for two guys. Uh, there were two guys that were really great players that I didn't see them do a ton of work, but I think that they were just so awesome and gifted that they could do that. It was Ricky Henderson and David Wells. Okay. Yeah. Those two guys, I never saw them do a lot of work. Although Ricky was built like the muscle chart. I mean, Ricky was chiseled like a bodybuilder. So I'm sure that he did do his work. I just never saw it and just looked like he was so talented. He could just come to the ballpark, show up, put his hat on backwards and play and be the best player on the field. Kind of like Griffey, you know? So I think if I was to give advice to young kids, it would be have grit, have perseverance, have some toughness and work hard. Because if you don't work hard, there's a guy coming up in the next draft in June and he's going to work hard and take your job. So never get complacent. My old high school coach used to tell me this one too. I love this saying. If you think hustling's tough, try sitting on the bench. <laughs> yeah, that's even harder, especially when you want to celebrate with your team and you can't because you want to be part of it, and it's just like, oh, boy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Pat, for the words of wisdom and for uh, spending some time today to be on the show. Um, and, uh, yeah, hopefully uh, the borders kind of open back up soon and uh, we'll be able to uh, get some more baseball action in. Sounds good, man. Take care. All right. Thanks so much. Have a good day. All right. Bye. Bye. All right, everyone. That was the great Pat Hentgen, former Toronto Blue Jay and 93 World Series winner. Uh, thank you for tuning into this episode and have a great day.